Welcome to Growing Your Financial Advisory Practice podcast by Snap Projections, episode three. I'm your host, Pavel Berminski, and my goal is to interview experts to provide you with insights, strategies, and actionable tactics that you can start applying to grow your financial advisory practice today. For more information, head over to snapprojections.com slash podcast. Now, let's introduce today's featured guest. Today's guest is John Page. John is an incredible person, and I feel extremely honored to have him on the show. John started in the industry as an insurance agent back in 1978 and developed a top agency with 50-plus advisors using a financial planning approach. Later, he established Page & Associates as fee-based planners where he developed a set of innovative processes to engage and serve clients with financial planning. And after turning over that business to his sons and other partners, he focused on consulting and coaching financial advisory firms as part of Wealth Enhancement Academy. Since 2013, he served as a chairman and chief adjudicator of the Plan Plus Global Financial Planning Awards. John, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. Great to be here today. Wonderful. Let's, uh, so let's start with the last episode, because in the last episode, we discussed properly articulating the value of financial advice, which is really the foundation pricing is built upon, right? That's because if you cannot properly articulate your value, it's nearly impossible to charge for it. So for those ones who missed that episode, I would definitely recommend checking it out. And today we'll be talking about pricing and structuring your service offering to make it irresistible to prospects. John, let's maybe start with a review of different pricing models in the industry. What kind of pricing models have you tried or seen? Well, I've, I, I, think I've, I think I've tried just about everything, but let me give you a, a, like a quick overview. Probably the most, uh, the most simplistic and, and going back to the very first time that I charged a fee to someone, I, it, was, it was actually quite silly. I, I had a fee in mind and I said, this is how much it is. Uh, not not really a great way to do it, but that's that's how it started. So you can um, you can have something in mind. I mean, you you can say that you do financial planning and it costs two thousand dollars or three hundred dollars or whatever number. Uh, that that's not a preferred way to do it. Um, a much better way is to try to try to make make your your service um, match what the person is what the person is looking for everybody wants to have their problem solved that's really the root the root of it so um, your your solution the is going to solve is going to solve somebody's problems Perfect. So let's maybe talk about the, uh, maybe some of the different approaches. And, and when it comes to mistakes, like what, what are the biggest mistakes or most common mistakes you see advisors do when it comes to pricing? Well, I think the most, uh, probably the most common mistake is that um, very few people actually charge to do planning. Um, <clears throat> probably the most common approach today is that you, you're charging your client for assets under management, and you just kind of throw planning in. That that's the most common. And, and to me, I I've never understood really the rationale behind that because to me it totally devalues um, your service if you don't <laughs> if you don't charge anything for it. And you know to say that you're you're just providing it. 
as part of your overall service um, really devalues it too, as far as I'm concerned. Um, the planning, the planning that you do, uh, in, unless you perceive it as being something valuable, certainly your client is not going to, because you're not going to, you're not going to come across as presenting something that is valuable. So, the most common mistake that that I see is not charging for the plan. That's great. I definitely agree. Well, if you don't really charge for planning, well, that's probably the biggest mistake, right? Because you're uh, for creating some revenue and, and ability really to help other people. So um, we started with pricing, but really I, I, I feel we need to actually go back to what we're actually charging for, which is uh, our service offering. So can you talk about um, how does your service offering look like? Okay, well, the, the service offering, again, has has varied or has morphed kind of over the years. But um, today, the, the kind of service offering uh, I would recommend is I refer to it as a menu of services. Um, if, you, if you think about it, like if you go into a restaurant and you sit down and you're, you're kind of expecting to see some sort of a menu, like if you walked in and the waiter said, well, what is it you want? Or what can I do for you today? Uh, You'd be kind of stunned. Now, people should expect that with with planning, but but they don't. So they, um, because it's not common to have a menu of services, most people aren't expecting it. But that doesn't mean it's not a great idea. Like, it's very hard to build the value of the service that you offer in, unless you're able to articulate it, unless you have something to show to people. So uh, that was that was always the motive be, behind developing what I call a menu of services, was simply to be able to have something that you could easily say to someone, Here, here's what we do, here's what it looks like, here's what's included. This is very, very good, actually, because uh, I want to get a little bit more specific as well. Uh, so what are, what are kind of the different um, services that uh, you know, are part of your menu of services? Maybe can you list a couple of different uh, um, elements? Sure, of course, of course. Um, well, the, the first thing on the, on the menu of services, really, is trying to, um, trying to define what someone's situation is, what their objectives are, what their needs are. That's really the, that's really the very first area because until you do that, it, I mean, everything else is, it doesn't make any sense. So the first part is to take somebody through a conversation, actually, to try to determine what their situation is. And you can articulate that on a uh, on your menu of services. Um, so once you know something about their situation, then essentially the menu of services it it looks at everything that you might potentially do for someone in the way of um, evaluating their overall situation uh, and and dealing with it and solving their problems. So, for example, uh, <clears throat> the, w- one of the most common things on the menu of services would, would be relating to the investment side. Um, 
the uh, you know things such well, what is part of the investment service that you provide uh, you certainly do more than just identify what funds to buy uh, typically there's some there's a process to it um, you probably one of the things in the process that would be on the menu would be um, an analysis of their risk tolerance. Um, you need to know what the risk tolerance is before you can make any intelligent um, recommendations. Um, it, then you get into things like uh, the asset allocation, determining the, the appropriate asset allocation. Um, if you if you just think of all the little parts of what you do in terms of providing services to someone in the I'm thinking just of the investment side, but of course the investment side is is just a part of the overall picture. Uh, when you're when you're talking with someone and you're trying to discover what their <clears throat> what their values are and what their needs are. Um, once you've discovered that, you're, there's there's a whole number of things that you would do. If you think of a, just think of what a financial plan might look like, and think of the components of a of a financial plan, and that kind of becomes your menu of services. Like one of the things involved would be uh, typically analyzing their situation in the event of death. Um, the, another one would be analyzing their situation in the event of disability. Um, most people would, would actually like to know that in the event they became disabled, what their income picture would look like. So th that's a part of one of the services you provide. Um, the same thing in the area of the, probably the big one is when you look at someone's objectives, uh, then you go through the exercise of try to, trying to determine how much capital it's going to take to provide them with, with what they need or what they want. Um, that's, a, that's a big part of, of any service offering is, is to determine um, – Determine, I call it a financial independence number, uh, simply meaning the amount of capital that they have to come up with in order to see that they, if they're working in the future, they're working just because they want to, uh, not because they have to. So enough to make them essentially financially independent. So that gives you that, that gives you an idea of some of the items that would be on a menu of services. Absolutely, and I really like that uh, what what you said because um, I see that you are approaching this a little bit differently. A lot of advisors uh, we see, at least, uh, don't uh, have even a service offering. They treat everything as a financial plan, while uh, you you're you're splitting this on uh, into different components, all the way from the engagement, um, uh, initial engagement, and conversation with clients to investment services, uh, investment planning strategy, uh, you know, tax planning, risk management, uh, cash flow management, estate planning, and so on. How do you relate the service offering to the financial plan? Because some advisors treat the financial plan as the manual services. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I mean, you, you, you could do that, but my, my approach is that really um, the, a financial plan 
it should not be thought of as as an object. Um, it, it you know it's it's not a book. It it's a plan and it's a process. What you're doing for people is providing a process to solve all of their financial problems and to to package it and just think of it as a plan lots of things could maybe fall outside of that plan um, so my approach is to think of it as a service that you're providing to people um, and because really if you think about it nobody wants a financial plan what they want is the benefits that a plan can provide to them. So um, I like to break it down into the, into the parts so people are, they're getting a lot more than a plan. Um, they're getting a process. And the, the best way to describe the process that I found is referring to it as a menu of services or a list of services that you provide. Um, and, and I find that people can um, more easily visualize what that entails uh, if you articulate it. Because just to say a plan um, it doesn't have a lot of meaning. I love that. I really love that. I know I like to stress that because you said that people actually don't want financial plans. People want the benefits that financial plan can provide them. The same way people don't buy drills, right? People actually want the holes, right? <laughs> exactly. The same, the same analogy. So I really, uh, I really love what you what you said, and I think a lot of people uh, can learn from that. So um, let's go further in terms of pricing, and let's talk, talk about potential solutions um, for advisors. So how do you think advisors should be approaching pricing? What should be pricing based on? My most comprehensive answer to that question would be that it should. Um, it should be based on the time that you put in and the complexity of the work. Um, now, having said that, uh, it's not not necessary that you um, that you are. It's necessary to me to articulate it that way to a client. If a client says, "Well, what do you, you know? What are your prices, or what it, what is it? What is the cost based on?" Um, it's based on the amount of time we put in and also the complexity. And um, I, I generally that, that satisfies people to, to know that it's based on time and complexity. And because what that means is that everyone's going to be a little different. Uh, not everyone is in using that methodology is going to be the same. Um, now, what conflicts with that a little bit is sometimes you will elect to have a pricing uh, scheme that is that is predetermined on certain levels. Like, let's just call it a basic plan uh, and a more comprehensive plan at the other end, and then there's something in the middle. So, th based on three different levels, um, some people do it that that do it that way and do it that way successfully. I prefer to use the idea of time and complexity and as, as what the, what it's based on. Perfect. So you mentioned earlier that there is a different pricing model. For example, some people, some advisors use asset under management. 
And you said this is not necessarily the best approach. So how would you contrast this? Let's say, for example, if you have, I don't know, $1 million client, maybe $5 million, million client, how would you contrast time complexity versus, for example, charging based on asset under management? Okay, well, the complexity um, is, is generally not, not, is not directly um, related to the amount of assets they have. Like if you've got, 250,000 and you've got another client with 2.5 million, you're not going to do 10 times the work on the $2.5 million client um, to manage their assets. Uh, but there are a lot of things that could differentiate clients based on complexity. Let's say, um, let's say for example, uh, somebody has a couple of holding companies uh, well, that adds complexity to their situation. Let's suppose that they they have assets uh, in another jurisdiction, in another country. Um, that adds complexity to the situation. So anything that adds complexity or something real simple, like um, pretty pretty common, not as common today as it used to be, but um, sometimes we would have a, a prospective client that when we talked about insurance, we would find out that they had 30 policies. And so in order, in order to understand what they have, it, you have to spend some time. And uh, that makes, that's time. And also it could be complexity too, because there's all sorts of different types of insurance contracts, all sorts of combinations. And, just to say something is a term insurance policy, if you dig into it, you may find uh, it has a, a, a bunch of contractual provisions that could be very different than you might expect. Um, so the whole idea of complexity is is not based on the amount of amount of assets. Could be the type of assets, but not on the amount. Typically, you're going to do essentially the same thing if you have a large portfolio or a small portfolio. That's perfect. So time and complexity. And the other thing is that's occurred to me is that, of course, we have a scope of, uh, of services and we just uh, talked about many, many of services. And um, uh, I would like to maybe provide a sample to the listeners. Would it be okay if we actually provide a sample of many of services that you provide to clients? Sure, of course. Wonderful. Okay, so we'll, we'll provide the sample and we will link this sample in the show notes. And um, so the other th question I want to ask, so there's time and complexity and maybe scope of services. How do you think about it? Do you work with clients, for example, who only need investment, uh, let's say advice uh, or let's say insurance or, um, or do you uh, don't approach this this way? Okay, well, I personally don't deal with uh, wh what I refer to as modular needs. Um, modular needs meaning what you just said, that you're de dealing in the insurance area or in the investment area only. And I, I don't do that because I firmly believe that every aspect of your financial situation is inextricably linked together. You can't do something to your cash flow without impacting everything else. Um, so it, it's very, very hard in my mind to do a good job for someone unless you look at the overall picture. 
Um, now, by looking at the overall picture, that does not necessarily mean uh, the level of depth that you're going into um, for, for each topic. But dealing with each aspect, like, you know, like the basic um, death, disability, retirement are the, are, are, are the most common three areas that you, that you would want to touch on in, in almost any situation. Um, and the reason you get into doing stuff like uh, investment only is because, you know, people will tell you they, they don't need anything else, which is, which is generally not the case. Everybody needs some sort of an overall plan um, because your 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 world is not conducted in isolation of all the other parts. Everything is linked together. I'm really glad that you mentioned that because that's really the core of the the whole mini series that we are um, we're producing here. Because um, as we were discussing in the first episode, how to successfully transition from product centric into an advice centric practice, the idea of not providing modular services but just the full a certain a full set of services maybe to a different different depth, that's really the core of the message that you want to uh, convey to advisors. But I want to ask about the complexity, for example, for an advisor. Let's say uh, we will look at the menu of services, and there, there are a lot of different services. And there's, also, of course, time and complexity. So it can get pretty difficult and uh, uh, to come up with a, with a price. Uh, so how do you practically come up with a price? What, what Do you use any tools? But how do you do that? Okay, well, actually... Um, over the years, uh, we developed a calculator, and the calculator is um, is it. I mean, it might end up looking complex, but if you break it down, it's pretty simple. Uh, if you go to the garage to get your car serviced, or you know that you need a new muffler, um, you 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 know that the service technician will give you a cost um, with really without even looking at it. If you need a new muffler, they know about how long it takes to take off the one you have and put on the new one. And because they've, they've done that over and over and they've kept track of how long it takes. So they can tell you up front. And really the, um, the pricing of the menu of services is, is much the same as that. Um, if you look at each of the items that you do, if you break it down, like for example, um, you you look at when you look at their investment situation or situation in the event of death, um, each of those individual components or something as simple as a net worth statement, um, the that's going to take a certain amount of time to develop an, a net worth statement. And the only thing that will vary is maybe the complexity of the net worth statement. So what, what we would do with our calculator is simply look at what is the cost of doing a basic net worth statement and give it a number. And then you would consider what could make that more complex and what could simplify it. So what you generally end up with is kind of three ranges of what it might cost to do a net worth statement for someone. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm 
My only concern here is I'm making this sound too complicated, and it isn't. It's actually very simple. So I think maybe when people see an example, they will, they will realize how simple it really is. Wonderful. So can we maybe, for those ones who haven't seen a calculator like this, maybe can, can we give them an, an example of the calculator uh, with, a, uh, let's say, uh, with a, a specific person so they can take a look at it and maybe learn from that? Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and I mean, all calculators are, do not have to necessarily be the same, but I'm giving you my version of uh, the way we've found it effective is to, is to simply, you know, consider the experience that, that you go through and, you know, over time you document it. Now, that doesn't, that doesn't help you when you're first starting out. So basically, you need to look at what someone else does to start out if you don't have the experience of doing it yourself. Well, thank you very much for helping uh, um, out our listeners and providing the example calculator. And we will uh, link it in the show notes as well. Um, now, I want to shift gears a little bit. And I want to talk about the range of fees that you've seen advisors charge, whether it's monthly or annual fee. What is kind of the you know, lower end of fees that uh, you see advisor charge? And what is the top end of, of uh, fees that you've seen? Okay, well, once again, the iCarry situation is a little bit different, but uh, typically the the fees would start at, um, let's say, around $1,000 a year. But I would not express, I, I do, do not uh, necessarily express the fees as an annual number because um, our custom is to actually collect the fee on a monthly basis not on an annual basis, which kind of gets off into uh, a topic all of its own. Why would you do that? Um, so let me answer the question I brought up. The reason you would you would charge monthly um, is because, first of all, people find it easier to accept uh, a monthly fee rather than writing, you know, one larger check once a year, um, which kind of brings up another area uh, w once a year. This should not be a one-time event. So I always present the service as it's something ongoing because people, that the plan needs to be monitored and your situation is, is forever changing. Your objectives change, the facts of the amount of money you have, the amount of debt, uh, your, your objectives, what you're trying to do, everything is continually changing. So the doing a, a financial plan um, like one time doesn't really, it doesn't really solve much because if you think about it, by the time the ink is dry on the plan, uh, something has changed. The amount of assets you have has changed. Um, so it should be, what I'm suggesting is it should be an ongoing, an ongoing matter and it should be, in my mind, monthly rather than annual. Um, and, and I'll give you just an example of someone that I, that I worked with that um, they, they were charging on average um, about 1500 per annum, so 1500 to do a plan, and they charged once a year, and what they found out was that um, 
to get someone to come back in to renew the plan sometimes was a bit of work and you, you would lose people from year to year. Why? Because they didn't necessarily like the idea of 1500 or writing a check for 1500. So they would procrastinate in terms of coming in to do their review and they would lose people that way. Um, so the, a, a better way in, in my mind is to do it on a monthly basis because what happens is the fee um, just kind of works its way in with all of the other things that you pay monthly. You know, most people have a bunch of auto pays and uh, it would be the same with your, your fee. It, it's something automatic. Uh, by the way, I, I wouldn't necessarily send an invoice every month, but I would have them sign an agreement basically that allows us to charge their bank account every month, just like you do for many other things. Um, the, the first time we, we did this, uh, it, it, felt, um, it felt rather strange, but it, it, it got to be that, I mean, this is just the way you do it. You, you collect your fee on a monthly basis. Now, let me, let me uh, qualify what I've just said. Um, quite often, there, there could be, depending on how you structure, your services, you might charge some sort of an initial fee and then have the, the ongoing service that you provide on a monthly basis. Um, that, that's really, the, that's really the, the way that we do it when I indicated it's only monthly. No, there is, there is some charge up front because you're going to devote a lot of time up front to getting the whole thing on the road. Um, but I've found that people will much more easily take to a monthly fee than an annual fee. If your you know, annual fee needs to be $4,000, it's, it's hard to get somebody sometimes to write a check for that amount um, it, until they understand, in, until they see the value for themselves. Um, I, I guarantee you that if you do it right, once you get somebody on track, once you provide that initial plan, that they can see that if you, if you just take one step at a time, one foot ahead of the other, that at the end of the uh, time, they're going to achieve all of their financial objectives. And that's basically how I would prevent it, present it to a client that, that's what we're doing here. We're finding out what your objectives are, and we're going to develop a, an overall plan for you, basically to, to achieve those objectives. So all they need to think about is the next step. They don't even need to think about the entire process. So it's one step at a time. I'm so glad that you distinguished the monthly versus uh, annually uh, uh, pricing model because I mean there's so many benefits of of having a monthly pricing model. For example, the cash flow uh, aspect for the business of a financial advisor. Yeah. 
You know, that's a yeah. huge factor I can imagine. I want to get down to the numbers, right, though, because I, um, I know that a lot of advisors are thinking about getting into planning and they're just not fully comfortable. They haven't done this um, and they want to start charging uh, clients. So what would you suggest for something with starting out? You know, what would be a low amount, but monthly amount that they can charge their clients, but uh, something that, uh, you know, would be reasonable? Would it be, I don't know, $50, $100, $200 per month? What do you think? Well, I would say, Certainly nothing less than 50, and that would be a very simple situation. I, I would look at the bottom as being about $100 a month. And one of the things that you have to be able to communicate to people is that the way you bill for your services, your fees, is not necessarily going to match what what they get on a monthly basis. In other words, people will not be expecting you to <clears throat> charge them $100 to do a certain thing on a, on a monthly basis. Like the way it works is you have this overall plan of what you need to do, which for, let's say, a period of one year. And, you know, in, in the first month, you might spend a lot of time. The next couple of months, you spend no time. But in order to make it easy, you basically you spread the fee out equally over uh, over a period of time and so you have to be careful though that the, your your prospective client is not going to be expecting you to perform a hundred dollars worth of services each and every month um, it, generally that's not it, it's not an issue but it's important in the way you present it that that they understand the the fee they're paying, of course, but they also understand how the work is being provided. That it's not just it's not all at once. Generally, when you when someone sees a sample of a plan, um, which I, I think I've mentioned probably a couple of times already, is really the very best tool that you have to explain to a prospective client what what you're trying to do, what planning is all about, that you have a sample of something that you have done for someone else. Um, and, and that sample will will highlight some very, very specific things that need to come out in order for the client to realize the value. Right, and we will be talking uh, about setting up uh, the right expectations for our clients in the next episode, uh, conducting your first client meeting in a way to maximize conversions and to weed out bad clients. So we'll have an opportunity to speak a little bit more about that. Now, in terms of the top end of the spectrum, you know, we're starting with 100. You know, what do you see on the top end? Of course, you know, the pricing has to be tied to value, but you know, is there a number that your top clients would pick around? Well, I would say around a thousand. Uh, in order to charge someone twelve thousand dollars a year for planning, um, you you want to be doing something. Um, and and you, uh, obviously, at any level, you have to be able to demonstrate the value of your services, or no one's going to pay you a dime. So, um, you know, if you can show somebody the value in them paying you a thousand dollars a month to do something, people will do so. Um, I, I know so many of advisors have said to me, um, my, my client 
my clients won't pay fees. Well, that's ridiculous uh, if you think about it because um, basically you're saying your clients are different than everyone else because they won't pay for something that, that, that they feel is valuable. The, the problem is a lot of advisors really don't really don't think of the work that they do as being very valuable. And that, that's the, probably one of the biggest impediments to charging fees, unless you can see the value of your own work. Um, you're not going to get very far. Absolutely. And so when we have the lower end, let's say $100 per month and, you know, top end maybe $1,000 per month, I mean, that's, of course, it's a, it's a wider spectrum. But let's say if we even look at, you know, the lower end, let's say take $200 yeah. uh, per month, right? Uh, if we multiply this by 12, I mean, that's $2,400. And if we have, if we have 100 clients, that's about $240,000 annually. Of additional revenue and of course if we have you know 200 clients that that number is going to go be going up so the numbers and the revenue potential um, for uh, for advisors just related to planning is enormous well I would agree but also at, at the same time you you have to keep in mind what else you're charging people for and if you're typically if you're charging people to manage their assets like so much um, to to manage the assets on a fee basis, um, y you you will find that the planning that you do will can't necessarily just be stacked on top of that. If you think of it this way, um, the most common way for advisors to charge people today is simply to include it in in managing assets. So if now you start all of a sudden you you start charging uh, an extra 2400 a year for the services you provide it it could create a problem so generally what will happen is the amount you charge to manage assets will go down and what you charge for a plan will will be something, will go up. So the the two of them together would be more than what you just charged to do assets under management because you'll have something very definitive. You'll have a plan and you'll be able to articulate what you're charging for, the value. Um, so yes, it is additional revenue, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be 2400 in addition each year what the reason that um the reason that i'm very one of the reasons i'm very strong on the approach of the approach of charging to do the plan is simply that i know there's enormous pressure on um coming from consumers to reduce the amount of fees that we charge to manage assets and I'm sure that everyone is <laughs> everyone has noticed that uh, your your fees are really under scrutiny so going even further there are jurisdictions in the world where um, charging the way that uh, charging uh, a commission for example 
uh, has been banned and you can't charge commissions. So now you have to charge people based on something else. Um, so it's got to be based on the value that you provide. I guess the main, the main thought here is that um, the value of, of what you're providing is, is really two things. It's managing the assets has some value in and of itself, but also the overall planning that you do to, to, to look after their overall situation, uh, which is more than just investments, that also has value. So you've got two components. And um, so just charging for one to manage assets, it, it doesn't make any sense. What it does is it hugely devalues planning. I'm glad you explained this so clearly to all the listeners. So let's go back to consumers then, because we talked about the value to the advisor, but let's go back to the consumer. And you mentioned that there are pressures from the consumer side on advisors to reduce fees. But um, how do we structure our service offering so it is it becomes completely irresistible to prospects? Well, the simplest answer to that is in solving all of their financial problems. You you design your service so that that's what it that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to solve their their problems. Managing assets, yeah, that will solve some problems, but certainly not everything. Uh, managing managing assets is it probably you're going to end up with more assets, and uh, certainly that's of value, but. It's your overall financial situation that that it really, unless you're dealing with that, just managing the assets doesn't have nearly as much value. That's great. Uh, John, let's wrap this episode with the last question. Do you have any parting words of wisdom for our listeners? Uh, if you were to reiterate something really important, what would that be? Okay, I, despite everything that we've said here today i would i would try very very hard to make what you do simple um it, i mean it sounds complicated when you hear someone talking about it the first time but it needs to be very simple what you're doing at the end of the day is you're solving people's problems and you can't solve their problems unless you know what they are and so once you've defined the problems, then you solve them. And that's really, that's really your job. Um, it, it's, it, and it should be as simple as that, is making people recognize that what you're, you are a problem solver. You are an objective getter. You help people reach their financial goals in a very, very tangible way. Um, you define the, you, you discover what the problems are and you create a solution and you need to learn to articulate that. Um, once you, I think once our, our listeners see a, a sample of some of the things that we've talked about here, it, it will hopefully become more clear to them. 
I'm so glad you brought simplicity at the end, and that's just a fantastic way to end this episode. So, John, if anyone wants to get a hold of you in the meantime, how would they do that? What's the best way to reach you? Oh, just send me an email. It's jpage, just like in a book, at the um, at my m y w e a dot net. That's my wealth enhancement academy dot net. But it's just w e a dot net. Excellent. And we will also link your email in the show notes. So if anybody wants to uh, get a little bit more specific uh, advice or um, if you have uh, 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 more specific questions, they can um, get a hold of you and uh, you can maybe help them um, as well. So John, thanks for coming on the show again and providing so much value to our listeners. I look forward to continuing our conversation in episode four, conducting your first client meeting in a way to maximize conversions and to weed out bad clients. That'll be a good one, I think. That'll be a real eye-opener for people. See you then. Bye.